On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, we look back on Utah's loss to Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. We look ahead to the Holiday Bowl, and it's basketball time. We talk women's and men's basketball. This and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Hey, this is Bill Riley, play-by-play voice of the Utes and midday host on ESPN 700. You're listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast with Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Mike Sorensen, and Trent Wood. Go Utes. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. I'm Dirk Facer with Mike Sorensen and Amy Donaldson in our Swank Salt Lake City studios. Guys, how are you? I'm great. Doing great today. Ready for Christmas? Holidays are upon us. Happy holidays. That's what we you. wanted. <laughs> I got three more weeks, so I'm a little ways away. <laughs> All right, we get you a little closer, Mike. We get you singing like Amy. Um, let's jump to the Pac-12 title game. The Utes drop a ten to three decision to Washington. No offense. Amy, 188 yards isn't going to get it done. I know a lot of people are making a big deal about the no call at the end of the game and a few other things. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is they couldn't move the ball on these guys. No. Oh, that call didn't lose the game for them. So, I mean, it was uh, – they had 22 seconds when that play started, and they still had some field to navigate. So – and they needed to score a touchdown and then get a two-point conversion to win. So, right. um, yeah, so it was uh, it was an interesting game. People asked me if it was boring. I didn't f- think it was boring. I liked the game. I enjoyed the game. Um, I just uh, – I just was – it was remarkable how little Utah could run. Um, what was Shine ended up with like about 30 – six or 37 yards rushing it was abysmal and uh, we talked about that as one of the keys in the beginning and uh, I thought Washington's defensive line just they just had their number on the run game now, to give credit to Mike Utah's defense uh, did a really good job too I mean they didn't give up a touchdown it was a uh, kind of the fluky touchdown that decided this game yeah I think uh, you know Utah should have won the game six to three you know because COC Mariner can hold on to the ball they're down at the 30 yard line kick a field goal Washington couldn't score so it should have been a six to three finish, but you know the problem was the uh, the receivers kind of regressed. It was kind of like we saw those first three or four games where they can't catch the ball, and if your receivers aren't catching the ball, and then of course they couldn't get the running game going, so the offense looked like it did against Northern Illinois and early on like that. They're not going to win a game, so you know that was just the defense. You couldn't blame them, but the offense just kind of regressed to what they did early in the season against a pretty good defense. Oh, both of you, who's to blame? Is there somebody to point a finger at and say the offense didn't work for this? reason if I had to you know, throw the finger at somebody it's Washington's defense because they were they were outstanding and yeah. so was Utah's defense was outstanding as well I just think we had two good defenses go at it but Amy what do you think who would you well, point I, the finger out offensively I agree with you I I think the um the play that's when Siose didn't catch that ball it was a it would have been a tough catch make anyway he was very well defended and when the ball hit off his leg and the defender catches it there's a lot of other people who could have tackled him and I think everyone was a little bit in chuck I actually thought it hit the turf and bounced up so I think everyone was kind of like wait what's happening and so there was a little bit of a slow reaction which gave him the the DB time to to get a little bit of a head start. So I, I think there were some really well, def- even that last one where he, it's PI, uh, people are saying, you know, that was also Mariner, that he should have caught that. But the defender, if you see it from the other angle, he's got his hand in 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 between his hands. So, you know, pushing the ball out. So I think they, they did a really great job of, of defending the pass. Um, I mean, they shut the run down, but I also don't think Utah's run game was as, I don't know, as... <sighs> 
formidable as it normally is, right? And we talked about that as far as the lines, and I think more than one person said that that's where it starts. If you can't get a good push right. for your running backs, I don't know what you're going to do later. Mike, how do you think Jason Shelley did on the big stage? I mean, a lot was said, and I got a little grief when I asked uh, Kyle Whittingham about Jason Shelley playing on the big stage of the Utah-BYU game. But since then, you know, he's played in a couple big games, got off a slow start against BYU, and really was basically ineffective against Washington. Yeah, I think the stage might have been a little too big for him, you know, because he did well on those, you know, most for the most part in those other three games, he was pretty good. But, you know, this was a championship game, you know, national television and big crowd and everything else. And I just think maybe this just finally ran out on him a little bit, you know. But uh, I did kind of just going back to what you were talking about a minute ago, the offense, I think they were a little too careful. You know, I think they kind of went in there thinking, oh, we got to just kind of keep it close to the vest. And they did a couple things. They had Britton Covey running out of the backfield and, you know, nothing real fancy. But um, I think they kind of played a little too close to the vest early on. And all of a sudden they decided we're going to stay in that, that mode. And then it just kind of all of a sudden, you know, the game's over. So they just uh, – but they could have been a little more imaginative, I believe. Amy, let's jump to Larry Scott, Pac-12 commissioner. Uh, greeted mm-hmm. with a few boos when he handed the trophy out. Uh, yeah. Had a press conference that you and I attended earlier in the day. Sides up Larry Scott's situation right now. Um, I would say Larry is on uh, not, not exactly thin ice, but I think he maybe is in, in, on a more uneven footing. I think uh, one of the things that I found really interesting, we talked, I don't know if we've written about this, but I asked him about the playoffs and about a playoff system for college football for Division One. And uh, he said unequivocally, no one is asking for that. They don't want it. And which I found fascinating that he, you know, a lot of times he kind of skirted the question or didn't really answer it. Um, but he, uh, I asked him about officiating, which he, we had a little bit of a, a long discussion on that part. Right. Three or four questions in a row. But then I um, felt like Jim Acosta for a minute. No, just kidding. I was much <laughs> more polite. And I, I thought that was one where he was kind of trying to not really be pinned down, right? Right. And, and, and then he did get to some specifics. But I thought on the college football playoffs, I thought it was astounding that his conference has been repeatedly left out because they do play one more league game and they haven't had an undefeated or close to undefeated, you know, one win champion. And so they get left out consistently and he's fine with that. I thought that was shocking. Mike, I think there was kind of a twist and turn with this college playoff for the fact that Georgia, there was a good case for having two SEC teams out of four and then throw Notre Dame in there as an independent. It really could have locked, you know, the big 12 out of the playoffs this year. Do you think the committee made the right decision, or do you think there were some politics involved that they didn't want two SEC teams in there in Georgia, even though they gave Alabama all they could handle? Yeah, it's one of those situations where I think, you know, if you go by the most deserving teams, you might say, well, Georgia was better. But then on the other hand, I think, you know, you don't want to have two SEC teams in there. And I think they made the right choice myself, get a a, a Big 12 champion in there. And just going going back to what Amy said about the – I've asked Larry Scott this on more than one occasion about the nine-game schedule, and I think it's good. But they're adamant they're not going to change it, and I and other conferences have gone to that too. But as long as the SEC does eight games, I think the Pac-12 may just have to say someday, well, if they're never going to change, we've got to go back because right. an extra game just kills them every year. I mean, it may, may not have made a difference this year, but they got to at some point just say, this is not – if the NCAA or someone else doesn't make a difference and say we're going to change and make everybody play nine league games, it's not fair for the Pac-12 and other conferences to do that while the SEC doesn't, and then they get the advantage by playing all these patsy teams. So that's got to change. Well, you put yourself at a competitive disadvantage, and we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. It's not 
not just, you know, we look bad or you get one more loss or, or you're a little bit more tired or maybe you lose a player to injury that you wouldn't have lost. It's millions and millions of dollars not being involved in that, in the New Year's Six or the uh, the 14 playoff. I mean, that's why I think it's ridiculous that no one's asking for it to even be expended to six teams. Six teams you could have feasibly any team that you argue, you could argue. You the five major event. conferences and one more, yeah. But, but, but any team that you wouldn't even have to have the five major conferences as much as you would have to say. But, you know, I thought Washington State deserved to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. And there was nothing from the conference, not a peep, uh, saying, hey, the, you know, you had Mark Harlan really take to Twitter and make some making phone calls trying to get Utah in the Holiday Bowl. But you didn't have the conference helping any of these schools get to bowls that would pay more money. And everybody shares that money if they get to a New Year's Six Bowl. And so I, I just think it's, it's very lazy management. And I think the Pac-12 is a great product on its own. And it doesn't take a genius to run it. And so I think I think the expectations will go up. Well, and I kind of think that obviously they need to universalize things. All the Power Fives need to be on the same level. Either play nine or play eight to make it fair at least, just level ground in that regard. I'm kind of an advocate for an eight-team playoff because I think all five Power Five champions should be in it in the postseason. I think even the Pac-12 this year, you could argue the Washington Huskies, they lost some close games, but they won their conference. Mm-hmm. And they won a major conference in this country, and they probably deserve a right to be in a, some sort of playoff to see how far they can take it. And uh, and again, Amy, I think that would lift teams like Washington State and others up mm-hmm. there uh, to where they need to be. So I'm, I'm an eight-game guy with the five power five maybe even the group of five best team gets in and then two at-large teams or something but you know what did any of you no happen one's to, to me so. did any of you happen to see mike leach's take on this no it's <laughs> phenomenal i tweeted it out you can follow me at 80 on sports um but i tweeted it out if you haven't seen it you should definitely look for it you can look for it on youtube uh somebody asked me about it and he goes through little league high school he's like so how did they do it and say high school what they play a tournament? This is crazy. <laughs> and he has the it – it's amazing. It's so funny. It's classic Mike Leach. He is awesome. Good. Well, I appreciate it. Well, before we talk about San Diego and the Holiday Bowl, just a reminder that professional football is coming to Rice-Eccles Stadium in February. You can see the Salt Lake Stallions play. Dennis Erickson, Matt Asiata, other Utah Connections forthcoming. Call 1-833-AAF. 2019, or go to saltlakestallions.com for more information. Season tickets as cheap as $75. San Diego, guys. uh, Amy, you alluded to it. Mark Harlan really went to work and Mm -hmm. and made this happen. Um, Holiday Bowl, I think, is a great consolation prize. and It's kind of maybe a baby Rose Bowl in a way because they're still playing a team from the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, they're playing playing in Southern California. It's interesting because you'll have, on the 31st, you'll have Utah and Northwestern playing. They both lost in the conference title games. Um, and then on the next day, you'll have uh, Ohio State and Washington playing in the Rose Bowl, right. two hours north. So and get, this kid's going to go to both games. Look at you. It's <laughs> nice to have lots and lots and lots of money, right? Yeah, All from the Deseret News, often, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I get paid double what you do. <laughs> um, I didn't want to tell d- you. <laughs> you work twice as hard, so you deserve it. <laughs> Guys, uh, what do you think about this holiday bowl matchup? I mean, we kind of just mentioned that it's a it's a nice consolation prize for coming up short, but it'll be a good test for the Utes. And obviously, a nice city, nice opponent, nice bowl. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has roots. You know, he was a former defensive MVP of the Holiday Bowl, and he was he's in the Holiday Bowl Hall of Fame. Which maybe Amy, you can get in if you go to both games. I don't, I don't think they'll take me in the Hall of Fame for that, Derek. I'll I could be wrong. You. I'll nominate you, Mike. Do you like the matchup? I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's a good one for Utah. You know, Northwestern is. Uh, you know, they they played in the weaker division like Utah did. In, in their conference, and they really um, didn't have a lot of, I mean, real impressive victories. You know, they 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 
played fairly decent against Ohio State in the championship game, but I think it's a game Utah, you know, they should keep their bowl streak alive. I think the biggest problem is the fact they're playing another team, another purple team, and Utah has a really hard time with purple and white teams as they've found they cannot beat Washington. So uh, that's my, that might be their biggest problem is just the fact that they have to beat a team that's wearing purple uniforms. Well, maybe they can find that mojo that work against Weber State. That's right. They that did, did win that game, yes. Yeah, so they, 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 they do know how to win a little bit. No, but I think generally it's a good matchup. I can't see Northwestern being uh, nearly as good as Washington, you know. I mean, right. they're, they're going to be a good team. They might be on the, maybe like an Oregon who Utah beat, someone like that. But I think that Utah, if they play their game, they have a good chance of winning. Well, the interesting thing, Amy, is that mm-hmm. you never know in these bowl games how serious the other team's going to take it. You know, and Utah obviously takes bowl games seriously, 11-1 yeah. under Kyle Whittingham. You know, like last year against West Virginia, the Mountaineers acted like they didn't care if they were there or not. They were just happy to get their, their yeah. presents and gifts and all that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if those smarty pants kids at Northwestern, they may come to play. Yeah, and I think, um, so I don't think Ohio State has a particularly good defense, and uh, Northwestern only managed 24 points. Their lead running back didn't even get 100 yards. So I think that uh, it'll be an interesting it'll be interesting to see how they fare against Utah, who has a great defense, right? Uh, I don't know how many uh, defensive play. They had four of the 11 spots on the all-conference teams. Right. Yeah. Nine, I mean, that's insane. I think 10 of the 11 uh, starters for Utah earned either first, second, or honorable mention yeah, recognition. So that unbelievable. So on defense. So that's the kind of defense you're talking we about. We won't mention who the one guy is because we don't need him coming after us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let's work harder next year. Why would you even bring that up? I just thought You're 10 so of mean. 11, 10 of 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. So, but it's voted on by the media. What do they know? But no, it's actually the head coaches. Is it the coaches? Oh, okay, yes. yeah. So that's one of those nice ones when people complain and just say, talk to Witt. Talk to, talk the, to Witt. He did, he, he did the, the voters. No, but I think they don't have a great defense. Ohio State doesn't have a great defense, so I think it is interesting to see how Utah will, how Northwestern will fare against Utah's defense. Mike, if they can score 20 points, 21 points, Utah should win. So win it. Yeah. yeah. Can Utah score 21 points without Britton Covey? <laughs> yeah. Without Britton Covey now. Yeah, that, that's that going to hurt them a lot, I think. But they still got they got a lot of good receivers. If they get their running game going, they should be able to manage without him. Here's I the think. thing, though. I mean, you're talking about a team that has a loss now. They're starting quarterback, they're starting running back, and they're leading receiver, right? And their punt returner, right? He well, made he made the special teams. Was it yes, first or second team? Yeah. First team. No. Yeah, so I'm just, I just think, man, they've really, that whole next man up thing, they're really testing that out this year. Um, I it will be interesting to see if Huntley comes back. I think you heard some um, some of the, his teammates saying, I hope he does what's best for his body and not what's best for the team. So I think he may be questionable, and that may, maybe they're kind of pushing him to... I think he'd be smart to not play in this game and let Jason Shelley finish the season and then yeah. for Tyler Huntley just to get that body completely ready for next season. But Huntley is such a competitor, it's going to be really hard for oh, him. I'm sure it's killing him to be out. In the- yeah. Speaking of being killed to be out, why don't you go up to Rice Eccles Stadium this February and watch some pro football with the Salt Lake Stallions? Show how tough you are sitting out there in the cold. Season tickets available for as low as $75. You can call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. Mike, do you imagine anybody would take their shirt off like some of the players have been doing during warm-ups maybe to, to support the Stallions and show that it doesn't matter what the weather is. we got football. Well, you, you might do it if you go to the games, but then we well, all want to see that. I hairy uh, underlaying that's like a second shirt, actually. So Yeah, well, you know, it's not going to be. You think about February, that's going to be terrible, but it's probably it's no worse than November games. 
games, you know. I mean, they have these night games in November, right. and I think February could be just like playing a game in October sometimes. So it wouldn't be that bad. But, yeah, I don't think you should take your shirt off, though. You know, there's a lot of big-name guys coming through town as coaches, Dennis Erickson and Rick Neuheisel and other guys like that that uh, familiar to folks. So it should be a lot of fun. So SaltLakeStallions.com to get your tickets. And on that nice transition, let's jump to basketball. Basketball is kicking into high gear. Mike, you got the uh, the Beehive Classic coming up, but you had a chance to cover Utah and Tulsa. What were your thoughts? That was the, the I, I put in my story. That was probably one of the worst halves I've seen at the Huntsman Center in 40 years. That first half was it was four to four midway through the first half. Nobody could score. But then uh, the other the, the Tulsa, which came in having you know a five and two record, they uh, they were 0 for 15 the first half from three point range. Utah was two out of 13, so it was not fun to watch. Second half, I think they relaxed a little bit, got going, and Utah hung on for a five-point victory, but it was not that impressive. I think Utah's got some little work to do still. You know, they've, they've, they're coming around, they got a young team, but they still got uh, a ways to go before they're going to be a, a good team, I think. How big of a blow was it to lose Bonte Hendricks, and is that something they can recover come, or is that going to take uh, several weeks? I don't to... think it's a big deal. I mean, he was a he was very highly touted last year, you know, when he had a, a different name, which I can't even pronounce. He changed his name <laughs> over the year from Devonte, whatever it was, to uh, Vontae Hendricks, and uh, and I asked him in the preseason about it, and he just said he didn't have a real reason. He just said I changed my name, so okay. But uh, no, he was very highly touted as a redshirt freshman, and I expected bigger things from him. And he did show flashes when he was there, but I think they have enough depth that I, they really didn't notice it last week that they were missing him that much. And then also they have a guy named Charles Jones. He was the the, the junior college player of the year last year. He right. played three minutes against Tulsa. He's kind of gone from a starter to hardly playing at all. So he's there. They can use him if they want. They're kind of going with these freshmen that, uh, you know, they're kind of going with these. They're starting Riley Batten now. Uh, Booth Gotch, who uh, you'll read about in the Deseret News tomorrow, uh, he's starting. He's a skinny guy from Minnesota. So they got a lot of young guys, but they just, uh, I don't think Hendricks, you know, they could use the depth, but they do have a very deep team. It's just a matter of the, the top guys playing better. Where did that Parker Van Dyke kid go to high school? It was a Highland? I can't remember. I think it was... Oh, it was East High School. That's yeah. right. Okay. Just Whenever wondering. he asks you, the answer is East. I know that because uh, I'm an old ram and he's an old leopard. So I, w- I know he's a he's a leopard. Old was the key word in both of You're those. Right, right. We're getting there. Um, guys... Uh, Larry Kristoviak and the Utes meet Nick Emery over at uh, Vivint Arena. I have to think about the name of the arena. I still call it the Delta Center, but the Beehive Classic. Mike, is that matchup, uh, Nick Emery against the Utes, is that going to overshadow the rivalry game? I don't think so. If it would have been 2016, it might have, but this has been three years now. I think enough water's under the bridge, and they, these two sort of made up a year ago when uh, they texted each other, and so you know, if it would have happened you know, the next year, I think it would have been a huge deal, but by now I think it's people. A lot of people are still happy to or excited to see that. But I think uh, they're both going to behave themselves. And I think Emery is very contrite about everything, and Larry's not mad anymore. So uh, you know, it'll be interesting to have them on the same court at the same time. You know, not playing against each other, but just there. And just, uh, but we'll just see. I think with Emery, the big thing is he hasn't played in eight, over 18 months, and uh, you know, he's playing tonight at, against or Wednesday night against Utah State. So we'll see how he he does. You know, but I think he's going to be a little. So uh, who knows how much of a difference he'll make actually for BYU against Utah. 
What do you, how do you see the rivalry game this year? Is this? I mean, these are two teams struggling to find an identity and what they can do. And uh, you think we'll get back? Think the rivalry will oversee everything? And, and then will Larry be sporting his red jacket? And will we have a bunch of Ute fans there? And I mean, this is interesting because they're kind of playing on a neutral site, taking the rivalry to a neutral site. I asked Larry Kostoviak his press conference this week if he preferred the rivalry to be played at a neutral site or at one of the campuses. And he likes the campuses, and obviously he likes the one that you know twenty blocks east of here up on the hill but is it going to be different playing on a neutral site you know it's one i i kind of agree with larry that i don't know how this is going to go over you know i don't think they're going to fill the place uh, i just wonder how many fans from each team want to go to this you know it's not like it's a novelty to go to the vivant arena and i think it's a lot more of a exciting rivalry game when it is at the marriott center or at uh, the huntsman center so i'm kind of thinking i'll be interested to see how it goes and i and i kind of i don't want to be you know totally pessimistic about it but i don't know if this is going to be a lasting thing for the for the future just because college basketball is down a little bit and the, you know these teams this year are both kind of mediocre so far and so I don't know that there's going to be that excitement that there might have been 10 or 20 years ago when these two teams met right so in a way I kind of think yeah I'd just as soon see them be playing up at the Huntsman Center or or at the Marriott Center just because it's then you kind of get the rivalry more and it'll be interesting to see what happens on Saturday though I think those was covered the Beehive Classic last year the one thing that was missing was students you know right. didn't didn't have a college atmosphere and it was pretty sterile and stale and whatever word you want to use but uh it's interesting that the uh, the Weber Utah State game after is probably the better ball game. Yeah, and they might be more excited about it than the other two because they're both having better seasons. But I agree. You know, a lot of people don't want to pay a lot of big bucks, you know, because they, you know, the season ticket holders. I don't know if it's included in their thing or not. I don't think it is, and so they have to pay extra money. And the students, uh, you know, they they just don't come out if it's not right next to their where they you know go to school. So I I, I kind of wonder how that what the future of this is going to be. Uh, it's going to take a we'll, we'll see maybe after this year or next to see if it keeps. On going. Well, I can't help but wonder if that kid that dresses up in a crab suit will uh, make his way down and make an appearance in the arena. Yeah, we know who he is. We'll we know see. him well. Yeah. We'll yes, see if we he's do. here. <laughs> All right. Hey, Amy, let's switch gears. Speaking of having a rivalry game on campus, the yep. Utah BYU women are playing up on the hill. They are. They're playing uh, Saturday night uh, at Huntsman Center. And if you wear red, you get in for free. I should say that straight up. And uh, it's a chance, if you're a Utah fan, it's a chance to see um, some really great young players. They are undefeated so far this season. Uh, maybe their most significant win is over Alabama, although I thought the win over Seattle was pretty impressive as well. And they are just a, a really solid team. So you got Megan Huff, who was an all-conference player last year. She's a senior. She's leading them with almost 26 points a game, and she's I think she's pretty close to Yeah, she's averaging a double-double. And then you got Denisha Provo. And then the new kids. So we've already written about Drew uh, Gilton. Uh, she's a guard. She was a redshirt guard because she... Uh, blew her ACL out in her semifinal basketball game in high school. So she came to the U and was redshirted last year, and she's just, she's just been an amazing addition. And then you have Drayana Edwards, who's done something that I don't know when the last time this happened, but she won back-to-back uh, Pac-12 Freshman of the Week honors, um, and she's just a, a, amazing. And, and the thing is, you meet Drayana, and she's, you think, well, she'll be all right. You know, she she can she's decent, and then she gets in a game, and she is so competitive, and she just has a nose for getting to the ball, and so fun to watch. How about that, Sarah Porter? She the other night, yeah. I, I was watching that game, and she came in, and, and she'd been in the game for two seconds, and she made a three pointer, and she made six out of seven that night. Well, and I think wow. threes are her thing, and I think everybody's been really um, excited to see her have some success as well. So, how how good um, is this team? Are they are they, are they capable of making run the Pac twelve tournament? You think? Yeah, and I think I like the style they're playing. So. 
Lynn has had, since you know, especially the last couple of years, really up tempo teams, right? That kind of thrive on that um, that transition basketball, and they're, so they're really fun to watch, and they score a lot of points. Um, Unlike Elaine Elliott's teams that Dirk and I used to cover, yeah, they, there were <laughs> they're like lucky to get court. to fifty in those days. Yeah, they were all about like slow and it down. Win is a win is a win. Is that they'd say right back yeah. then? <laughs> so they, these teams are, are the, actually the opposite of Elaine's teams in that they are really struggled with the half court game this year. This team has really struggled with the half court game. And I think they also did last year as well. So when you slow the game down, that's when they have they. I think they just feel like, oh, it's been three seconds. We haven't shot the ball. Something's wrong, right? Or you need to make a pass. So uh, I think that'll be their challenge, just kind of trying to marry the two. Uh, good teams, good defenses will slow them down and make them play that half-court game. And if they don't get better at it, it could be a long season. Um, but they have a ton of talent, and, and especially shooting talent. Um, and Lynn's... Lynn's uh, goal is to never be out-rebounded, so we'll see if that happens. I know they got out-rebounded by UVU by two two uh, boards, and so they were already dreading what was going to happen on practice at practice on Monday. Well, Lynn Roberts has done a really good job re-energizing that program mm-hmm. and, and building it back up. Um, Amy, you had the chance to catch up with her for our Utah by Five segment. How'd that go? Uh, I always love talking to Lynn. Um, she's uh, really fascinating. She has great philosophies. It's kind of like uh, you know just getting into the how do you motivate kids and what's your philosophy about, you know, overcoming things and being resilient. And she's just, she's just a fun, a lot of fun to talk to. All right, let's play that interview. I'm Tom Barberi and it's time for Utah by five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. Lynn Roberts, you're Utah by five this week. Tell me, first of all, where you were, what you were doing when you found out you got the job for Utah. I was at home uh, in Stockton, California. I was coaching at University of the Pacific. Um, and I remember I knew that uh, I was going to hear from them on this Friday, uh, April, gosh, I don't know, 17th or something like that. Yeah. And I knew I, I had been told, you know, we'll let you know by the end of the week. Don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah, kind of <laughs> deal. Um, and so I, I had interviewed, I think, on a Monday, Tuesday, and, and there was another candidate that came in, uh, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. So I knew I was going to hear. Uh, got the call. I was actually sitting in my home office when Nona Richardson called and, mm-hmm. and uh, offered me the job. I actually vividly remember it. Okay. And your first thought is, what are you going to do first? Uh, well, you know, we kind of had to do the whole contract negotiation yeah. thing and all that. After all that, um, then I had to, it, the hardest part of coaching uh, is, you know, if you take another job, is telling your current team. Uh, and that, that part's no fun. Yeah. Um, so I had to tell my current staff, and which I did one by one uh, the next day, and then told the team. Uh, so it was interesting. I got offered the job Friday. We went through the whole contract stuff, accepted it Saturday, met with my staff Sunday, one by, one-on-ones, uh, met with the team Monday morning at Pacific, and then got on a plane, a 2 o'clock flight uh, to Utah, and met with the Utah team Tuesday morning. And so... Uh, and never went back. I mean, I went back to pack Get up, pack up our house, and, and move. But um, yeah, never, never went back uh, to, to to the coach. athletic department yeah. to coach there, yeah. uh, to talk with those kids, and certainly have kept in touch with with everybody there. But um, that's what coaching's a weird deal. You yeah. just it, it happens so fast and furious. What is the toughest thing about building a program? Sort of putting you know your own building something that's you. Uh, the, the the hardest thing is just it just takes time. Uh, I guess maybe in a mm-hmm. word, the hardest thing is patience. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and um, because it is a it's a it's a people driven industry. Yeah. Uh, whether it's who you, who you're coaching with, hiring the right people, who you're coaching, uh, recruiting the right players, 
um, you know, it just takes it just takes patience to get the right people uh, and, and, you know, patience and time. Um, it doesn't happen in one year. It doesn't happen in two. It doesn't happen in three. It takes four to five years before it really is. In my In my experience, it really is like your program. Okay. And so what are your hopes? Your, this is your fourth year. Yeah. So what should we expect from you guys this season? You got a lot of freshmen. My we boss do. keeps asking me about all these freshmen. Yeah, so we, we are bookended with seniors and freshmen. Um, what should you expect? You should yeah. expect a competitive team, a winning team, an up-tempo team, a fun team to watch, mm-hmm. a group of really good kids um, that love wearing Utah red. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should expect us to be competitive in every Pac-12 game. Um you should expect us to make the postseason. Okay. And when you say make the postseason, is this the year you guys get to the NCAA? I sure tournament? hope so. Amy, yeah. I sure hope so. Yeah. Um, that's the goal. Uh, it's the goal every year. Yeah. Uh, it just like I said, it's patience. It takes time. Um, I certainly think that this team has a chance to be special. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of basketball ahead of us. We've got to stay healthy because we're not super, you know, we've only got 10 active players right now that yeah. are healthy and eligible. Yeah. Um, so we've got to keep all 10 healthy and ready to go. If we do that, if we stay healthy and everybody stays pointed in the same direction, I think I think this could be the year. If you uh, distill your philosophy, your coaching philosophy down to like two or three do these things. Uh, Words of wisdom. <coughs> I, I have your dad still, by the way. Oh, boy. That you gave me on Father's yes, Day. I, I, I printed those out, so your dad is now my mentor as well. But. Yes, exactly. The Robert's yeah. Rules of Management. But but distill those down to like two or three. I want to, I, I, you know, you've got to work harder than, than who you're working against. Okay. Uh, always in life. Work harder. Uh, get down. Get, you know, you get knocked down, you got to get back up. Uh, and then try to have as much fun as you can um, doing it. And... Yeah. Uh, I know that those are kind of counterintuitively connected um, in terms of toughness, getting knocked down and having fun. Yeah. Uh, but that is where the true joy and true happiness comes from, I think. Life is hard. Sports is hard. The Pac-12 is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, being a college athlete is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot is de- a lot of is demanded of you. Being a college basketball coach is hard. Yeah. Um, you get knocked down. You get hit. Uh, but the joy comes in getting ba- from getting back up and fighting another day. And uh, so I, I want to have, you know, life is short, and I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy it. And so yeah. I want to have as much fun as possible through the good and the bad. We want to thank again Lynn Roberts for taking some time to do our to participate in our Utah by Five. It's kind of fun to get to know the coaches in a little different setting and in, in a much more substantial way than just uh, who are you playing and why and how did that go. <laughs> and then uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, this came up on Twitter. I wanted to know what you guys thought of this. USC's had the top recruiting class in the Pac-12 the last five years running, and they don't have a single player on the first team. Must be poor coaching, I guess, huh? No, I, I mean, I, some of it has to do with your record, but I don't think anybody would say Utah's is outstanding. But I, I just thought that was interesting. Oh, it was. You know, I was surprised when the team came out and there were hardly any Trojans on it. Yeah. And, well, that, that's I mean, very let's unusual. Be, if Porter Gustin had not gotten hurt, he would be first team. Oh, exactly. If not yeah. Defensive Player of the Year, the way he was going. Yeah. Mean, he was putting up some big numbers. But, uh, no, there were some surprises. And these all-conference teams kind of reveal things like that once mm-hmm. in a while. But don't be surprised if it's loaded with USC guys next year. That's we'll see. No, they got uh, they got uh, the guy from Texas Tech as their new offensive coordinator. So I think the offense will be back and uh, back on draft. They've got a good young quarterback. They've got some good young players. But uh, you're right. Uh, this was an anomaly maybe this year. Or maybe it's a trend. We'll see. The mm-hmm. Utes are 
there, hoping no doubt. Before we uh, sign off, one more reminder that we're sponsored by the Salt Lake Stallions Pro Football Team. Call for season tickets at one eight three three aaf 2019 or go to .com. Uh Before we sign off, guys, we got it's rivalry weekend again. We just had it with football. Doesn't seem as fever-pitched as... Any year I can remember, I, I think a lot of people were surprised at Utah BYU were playing basketball, men and women, on Saturday. Do you sense any synergy in the community about this? Uh, not really. I mean, it's a, l- a little bit, but it's not. Of course, it's never as the same as football. Football is always much more these days. But yeah, the f- basketball has tailed off for the men in recent years. And this year, of course, both teams are barely above 500, so there's not that much excitement. Both teams are kind of mediocre, kind of struggling a little bit. And unfortunately, people just still don't pay a lot of attention to the women's game, and even though there's, there's two good teams there. So we'll see what happens. But just kind of, I think they'll both be very good games. They're both pretty well evenly matched, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's uh, do some predictions now. Guys, we don't have our football games to pick this week, but we can pick the rivalry game. Amy, let's start with you. Uh, the women's game, how do you see that going? I'm going to go with Utah winning, and I'm going to go uh, 78-62. Ooh, I'm not... I'm hesitant to name scores because I'm not very good at it, but I'm going to take Utah 62-52. Mike? You know, uh, I, I hate to go against my old high school buddy, Jeff Judkins. He's had, a, he's had his way with Utah over the years. He's won like five of the last seven or something. But I think this year his team is a little bit down. Utah it seems to be up, and I think that the Utes will probably win, and I'm going to say it's going to be a higher-scoring game than you say. I'll say it's going to be 84-73. to 73. Yeah, Well, it could yeah. be, especially no, I, I with, with what good, we've talked yeah. about with women's games. I think Juddie will find a way to slow the Utes down a little bit, but we'll see. Um, the men's game, um, part of me says, does it really matter who wins and what the score is? Because it's not that exciting. But somebody's got to win when you play a game, right? So I'm going to take Utah to win a uh, hmm, about 72-60, to 60, and uh, Nick Emery gets welcome back to the rivalry. And I'm just leaving it at that. I so, don't know what that means. I think the muscle will get on his case a little bit. Have you ever picked against Utah this year yet? Um, um, I can't remember. I'm afraid picked, to. I'm afraid we to. We haven't picked basketball yet. But anyway, yeah. I'm going to pick BYU because I think yeah. they're they are on a three-game losing streak. And they're getting kind of desperate. Utah's still trying to find their way, and I think they'll be a little more motivated. And so I think they're going to win a, a kind of a 68-65 to 65 game. It'll be pretty close. Yeah, Mike and I are in the same thought process there. I went 65-61 for BYU for the same reasons. I mean, they are desperate. To, I know they gave up a million points to Weber State. <laughs> Rise and shout. Okay, you two. I'm sticking with the Utes. Remember that, fans. If you see any of us on the street and Utah wins, remember. Okay. And if it goes the other way, for Remember who the Homer is. Yeah, Homer. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Just a reminder, you can get our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other fine locations for podcasts. We'd love to have you subscribe. We also have an email address, which is uh, uteinsiders at desertnews.com. Send and ask us questions, pictures, fun stuff, Christmas presents. Uh, I don't know how you can do that, Cyber, but maybe send you gifts. Follow us on Twitter and follow send us, us great news tips. We love news tips. AD on sports. Mike, anything else you want to say today? Um, happy holidays. No, I have nothing else to say today, so we're good. I'll second that. Happy holidays. Amy, how about a happy holidays from you or a song, maybe? No, I think, I think I'm good with the happy holidays. All right. Dang it, maybe next time. Thanks for tuning in.